0: Chapter Four, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two by Henry Fielding. Chapter Four, containing matters that require no preface. When Booth and his wife were left alone together, they both extremely exulted in their good fortune in having found so good a friend as his lordship, nor were they wanting in very warm expressions of gratitude towards mrs Ellison, after which they began to lay down schemes of living when Booth should have his commission of captain, and after the exactest computation concluded that with economy they should be able to save at least fifty pounds a year out of their income in order to pay their debts. These matters being well settled, Amelia asked Booth what he thought of Mrs. Bennet. I think, my dear, answered Booth, that she had been formerly a very pretty woman. I am mistaken, replied she, if she be not a very good creature. I don't know I ever took such a liking to any one on so short an acquaintance. I fancy she had been a very sprightly woman, for if you observe, she discovers by starts a great vivacity in her countenance. I made the same observation, cries Booth. Sure, some strange misfortune had befallen her. A misfortune, indeed, answered Amelia. Sure, child, you forget what Mrs. Ellison told us. That she had lost a beloved husband, a misfortune which I have often wondered at any woman's surviving. At which words she cast a tender look at Booth, and presently afterwards, throwing herself upon his neck, cried, Oh heavens, what a happy creature I am, when I consider the dangers you have gone through, how I exult in my bliss the good-natured reader will suppose that booth was not deficient in returning such tenderness after which the conversation became too fond to be related here the next morning mrs ellison addressed herself to booth as follows i shall make no apology sir for what i am going to say as it proceeds from my friendship to yourself and your dear lady i am convinced then sir there is a something more than an accident in your going abroad only one day in the week. Now, sir, if, as I am afraid matters are not altogether as well as I wish them, I beg, since I do not believe you are provided with a lawyer, that you will suffer me to recommend one to you. The person I shall mention is, I assure you, of much ability in this profession, and I have known him to do great services to gentlemen under a cloud. Do not be ashamed of your circumstances, my dear friend. They are a much greater scandal to those who have left so much merit unprovided for. Booth gave Mrs. Ellison abundance of thanks for her kindness, and explicitly confessed to her that her conjectures were right, and without hesitation accepted the offer of her friend's assistance. Mrs. Ellison then acquainted him with her apprehensions on his account she said she had both yesterday and this morning seen two or three very ugly suspicious fellows pass several times by her window upon all accounts said she my dear sir i advise you to keep yourself close confined till the lawyer had been with you i am sure he will get you your liberty at least of walking about within the verge there is something to be done with a board of green cloth i don't know what but this i know that several gentlemen have lived here a long time very comfortably and have defied all the vengeance of their creditors however in the meantime you must be a close prisoner with your lady and i believe there is no man in england but would exchange his liberty for the same gaol she then departed in order to send for the attorney and presently afterwards the sergeant arrived with news of the like kind he said he had scraped an acquaintance with murphy i hope your honour will pardon me cries atkinson but i pretended to have a small demand upon your honour myself and offered to employ him in the business upon which he told me that if i would go with him to the marshal's court and make affidavit of my debt he should be able very shortly to get it me for i shall have the captain in hold cries he within a day or two i wish said the sergeant i could do your honour any service shall i walk about all day before the door or shall i be porter and watch it in the inside till your honour can find some means of securing yourself i hope you will not be offended at me but i beg you would take care of falling into murphy's hands for he has the character of the greatest villain upon earth i am afraid you will think me too bold sir where i have a little money if it can be of any service do pray your honour command it it can never do me so much good any other way consider sir i owe all i have to yourself and my dear mistress booth stood a moment as if he had been thunderstruck and then the tears bursting from his eyes he said upon my soul atkinson you overcome me i scarce ever heard of so much goodness nor do i know how to express my sentiments of it but be assured as for your money i will not accept it and let it satisfy you that in my present circumstances it would do me no essential service but this be assured of likewise that whilst i live, i shall never forget the kindness of the offer however as i apprehend i may be in some danger of fellows getting into the house for a day or two as i have no guard but a poor little girl i will not refuse the goodness of your offer to show in my protection and i make no doubt but mrs ellison will let you sit in her parlour for that purpose atkinson with the utmost readiness undertook the office of porter and mrs ellison as readily allotted him a place in her back parlour where he continued three days together from eight in the morning till twelve at night during which time he had sometimes the company of mrs ellison and sometimes of booth amelia and mrs Bennet too for this last had taken a great offensive to amelia as amelia had to her and therefore as mr booth's affairs were now no secret in the neighbourhood made her frequent visits during the confinement of her husband and consequently her own nothing as I remember happened in this interval of time more worthy notice than the following card which Amelia received from her old acquaintance mrs james mrs james sends her compliments to mrs booth and desires to know how she does for as she had not had the favour of seeing her at her own house or of meeting her in any public place in so long time fears it may be owing to ill health amelia had long given over all thoughts of her friend and doubted not but that she was entirely given over by her she was very much surprised at this message and under some doubt whether it was not meant as an insult especially from the mention of public places which she thought so inconsistent with her present circumstances of which she supposed mrs james was well apprised however at the entreaty of her husband who languished for nothing more than to be again reconciled to his friend james amelia undertook to pay the lady a visit and to examine into the mystery of this conduct which appeared to her so unaccountable mrs james received her with a degree of civility that amazed amelia no less than her coolness had done before she resolved to come to an eclaircissement and having sat out some company that came in when they were alone together amelia after some silence and many offers to speak at last said my dear jenny if you will now suffer me to call you by so familiar a name Have you entirely forgot a certain young lady who had the pleasure of being your intimate acquaintance at Montpellier? Whom do you mean, dear madam? cries Mrs. James, with great concern. I mean myself, answered Amelia. You surprise me, madam, replied Mrs. James. How can you ask me that question? Nay, my dear, I do not intend to offend you, cries Amelia, but I am really desirous to solve to myself. The reason of that coldness which you showed me when you did me the favour of a visit, can you think, my dear? I was not disappointed when I expected to meet an intimate friend, to receive a cold formal visitant. I desire you to examine your own heart and answer me honestly if you do not think I had some little reason to be dissatisfied with your behaviour. Indeed, Mrs. Booth," answered the other lady, "you surprise me very much." if there was anything displeasing to you in my behaviour i am extremely concerned at it i did not know i had been defective in any of the rules of civility but if i was madam i ask your pardon is civility then my dear replied amelia a synonymous term with friendship could i have expected when i parted the last time with miss jenny bath to have met her next time in the shape of a fine lady complaining of the hardship of climbing up two pairs of stairs to visit me and then approaching me with the distant air of a new or a slight acquaintance do you think my dear mrs james if the tables had been turned if my fortune had been as high in the world as yours and you in my distressed and abject condition that i would not have climbed as high as a monument to visit you sure madam cried mrs james, I mistake you, or you have greatly mistaken me. Can you complain of my not visiting you, who have owed me a visit almost these three weeks? Nay, did I not even then send you a card, which sure was doing more than all the friendship and good breeding in the world required? But indeed, as I had met you in no public place, I really thought you was ill. How can you mention public places to me? said Amelia, when you can hardly be a stranger to my present situation? Did you not know, madam, that I was ruined? (laughs) No, indeed, madam, did I not? replied mrs james. I am sure I should have been highly concerned if I had. Why, sure, my dear, cries Amelia, you could not imagine that we were in affluent circumstances when you found us in such a place, and in such a condition. Nay, my dear answered Mrs. James, since you are pleased to mention it first yourself, I own I was a little surprised to see you in no better lodgings, but I concluded you had your own reasons for liking them, and for my own part, I have laid it down as a positive rule never to inquire into the private affairs of any one, especially of my friends. I am not of the humour of some ladies who confine the circle of their acquaintance. To one part of the town I would not be known to visit in the city for the world for my part i never dropped an acquaintance with any one while it was reputable to keep it up and i can solemnly declare i have not a friend in the world for whom i have greater esteem than i have for mrs booth at this instant the arrival of a new visitant put an end to the discourse and amelia soon after took her leave without the least anger but with some little unavoidable contempt for a lady in whose opinion as we have hinted before outward form and ceremony constituted the whole essence of friendship who valued all her acquaintance alike as each individual served equally to fill up a place in her visiting role, and who in reality had not the least concern for the good qualities or well being of any of them End of Chapter four Recording by Gabi Cowan